Well, there is one thing that if we did it, it would change us. One thing that, that if, if we actually did it, it would change us individually. It could change our relationships, our friendships. It could, it could change our marriage or our family. Uh, one, one thing, right? If we, if we did it, it could change the way we work and, and act and think and behave. It, it could change our church. And if enough of us did it, it, it could change our neighborhoods, our city, our country, our world. One thing. And because of that one thing, we have one goal for us this morning. And even as we think ahead into next year, we have one thing that we are going to be devoted to together as a people, as a church, as we think about 2013. I know for some of us that feels like a really long ways away. It's not. Six weeks. It's going to be here before you know it, especially with all the Christmas craziness. It feels like a long ways away, but we want to get this one resolution on your list early. One thing that we are going to decide to do together, because this one thing, if we do it, will change us. And so here's what I want you to do this morning. If you've got your Bible with you, I want you to, I want you to hold it like this, okay? If you don't have it with you, that's okay, right? Just, you know, watch your neighbor, watch me. Um, just a little, you know, a little classroom exercise One thing, one goal, hold it like this. This is what we want you to do. Our one goal for next year. You see that? Anybody miss it? Let's try again, slow motion, all right? Just in case. Some of you I know a little slow, so here, watch, watch. Huh? Huh? That's it. That, that, what I just did, that is our goal together for 2013. Every one of us, kids, this includes you, Young and old, our goal, our desire, all of our energy is going into this one thing that every day, every one of us would do this. That we would open here together. Open here. For nothing changes us like this book. Now, maybe, maybe you've heard us talk a little bit about our plan for, for 2013, right? And, and some of you know about it a little bit. You're, you, it seems like people have been excited about it, that we are, as a church, we are going to do our best to tell the entire story over 52 Sundays, right? Genesis to Revelation, to preach through, kind of as an overview fashion, this entire book. It's going to be awesome, I think. I'm really excited about it. But that's not our goal for 2013, Our goal is not to have a a series of really great Sundays from Genesis to Revelation, as important as that is. Of course, we want that, we long for that, but that's not our goal. Our primary goal is that we would do that. Open here. We're calling this next year, Open Here, One Story, One Year. That again, no matter matter who we are, whether, whether or not you even necessarily believe what's written here, if this, if this is your church, if you plan to be a part of this church in 20, that, that is our goal. That is our desire that every one of us would open here every single day. Not regularly, not often, not even weekly, daily open here. And I realize for some of us, you're already doing this. I mean, you're doing exactly this. In fact, according to a very recent study that Lifeway did, uh, about one in... Five of you read your Bible every day. 
And so you know how important this is. You know that the transformation it is. But for the rest of us, particularly if you're in that latter half, more than half of us read it once a week or less. Many of us don't read it at all. And if that describes you, okay, if you're kind of in that, you know, once a week or less category, um, you may already have, like, you hear me talking and this whole list of objections begins to flood. Like, I'm just not doing that. That's crazy. Um, Well, we're going to address some of those objections today in a little bit. Um, Or or maybe you're just feeling like a little bit of guilt already. I mean, I've I've just begun talking and you're already feeling it. Now you think, well, goodness, now I'm going to have to feel guilty for not reading my Bible for an entire year. That sounds like like a lot of fun. Um, But hopefully you know us by now. We We don't motivate with guilt. Motivate, guilt is a lousy motivator anyway. We motivate with the gospel, with the good news of what Jesus has done. And so this isn't going to be about, about guilt as we go through. But if, if you think about it, for the most part, for the most part, the things that you and I do every single day, most of them we do to keep us alive. I mean, think about it, right? The things that you never, ever skip, whether it's eating or sleeping or drinking or breathing, heart beating, the things we do, by and large, every single day are the things that keep us alive. Exactly. So often we forget that this book is what keeps us alive. Relationally, emotionally, Morally, spiritually, open here. Nothing changes us like this book. And so we want to read it. We want to be shaped by it. We want to study it together. We want to to help each other in this process. And we want to see our lives change. And yet 2013, I mean, it does feel like a long ways away. It's going to go by fast when we get there through Christmas and all that stuff. But as a church, all of us at all of our campuses, we are, in many ways, we're putting all of our eggs in this one basket. And we want you to come with. We want you to commit to joining us. So we want to give you enough time to think about it, to pray about it, to be able to figure out what this might look like for you, for your family, for the people who are around you. And friends, I've, I've got to tell you, I've been a pastor now for seven years, um, and I have never been more excited about anything we've done together than I am about 2013. I, I just, I cannot wait. And so as we think about why we're doing this, we'll talk about how a little bit as well, but the why question is even more important. That's where Psalm 19 speaks into it so beautifully. So if, if you do have your Bibles, go ahead and, and, and turn there. And we're going to look at this, this psalm and, and seek to ask and wrestle through uh, three particular questions as we look at this text. First of all, first question, what's the big deal about the Bible? Second question, what are we going to do about it? And third, how hard is it going to be? What's the big deal about the Bible? Well, Psalm 19 shows us beautifully. C.S. Lewis Some of you might be familiar with him. We often forget that he was a literature professor, right, at at Oxford. He said this about Psalm 19. He says, I take this to be the greatest poem in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. And Psalm 19 tells us that God speaks. 
In the first half of, of Psalm 19, it, it says that God speaks through all of creation, that, that even the heavens, everything around declares the glory of God, teaches us, speaks to us, shows us who he is. Um, a couple years ago, I remember preaching through the, that first half of Psalm 19 as we talked about our, our responsibility to care for creation. And then we, when we get to the, the second half of Psalm 19, it's that God speaks through his word. That he speaks to us. And this is where we're going to focus this morning. Let's begin reading in verse 7 of Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Now this psalm says a lot of different things about this book, this word. In fact, it calls it several different things. In fact, if we look at this next slide, I kind of feel guilty doing this because it's a poem, right? But yet, it just feels wrong putting a poem in a spreadsheet. Um, And yet, it helps us understand because it, it... the psalmist David, he's saying the same thing over and over and over and adding to it, this beautiful thing, right? So he, he calls this book by a handful of things, but you see very clearly, right, six times, whose book is this? It's the Lord's, of the Lord, of the Lord, over and over and over again, that this is God's word to us. He is the one speaking, the one who made us and loves us, longs to speak with us, which is just an amazing thing to think about, Right? The God who designed us tells us how we were designed and how best to live into that design. That's what this book does. In the New Testament, we could look there as well. Paul says that all scripture is breathed out by God. And so, yeah, we we know that this this book can be difficult, right? We we know that. It can be hard to understand. At times, it can be hard hard to believe, But if we really believe that it was written by the one who loves us more than we could possibly even imagine, so much so that he sent his own son. I mean, just just imagine, right, if if someone you trusted gave you a a, a treasure map. That map may be really hard to understand. It might be difficult to decipher the details for, and it certainly would be really hard to believe. But if you trust the person who gave it to you, I mean, you would do everything you could to, to decipher those words, to, to seek out the treasure, to find what it, what it promised. And according to the psalmist, this book is both the map and the treasure, showing us the way to life, for it is from God. Open here. But it's not just the source of Scripture that's so important. That's where we've got to start, right? Who's it from? But it's also the character of Scripture. We see several other words, right? That is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, true. All of these different modifiers that the psalmist uses. Perfect there, it's, it's the word tome. It means whole, complete, lacking nothing. Tome is, is what we want in our lives. This book is Whole. And it leads to wholeness, it says. It's, it's sure, it's reliable, it's, it's unwavering, it's right. It knows the, the best way. Literally, uh, that word for right means that it's, it's straight and level. 
that it's the best path to walk on. It's also pure and clean, he says, and leads to a pure and clean life. He says it's, it's true. It can be trusted. That's a difficult one for us, right? I mean, isn't it? How, how can this ancient book, written over thousands of year, years by dozens of different authors, how can it possibly be true? We all struggle with that, don't we? It's a hard one. But if we believe that God really, truly loves us, then it makes sense that he'd want to communicate with us, right? It just makes sense. And if we believe that God is really perfect and powerful, then it would make sense that if he wanted to communicate with us, he could accomplish it, and he could accomplish it perfectly, right? And I know that doesn't, that doesn't solve it. I mean, it's still hard, right? I, I struggle with, with doubts as well as I, as I think through this book. And maybe, maybe for some of you, this is a really huge barrier for you. Maybe uh, go back last year at this time, we did a series called I Doubt It. Um, and we spent an entire week sort of wrestling with that. How can we believe that the Bible is true? Um, you can find that message on our website or on our podcast. Uh, but go back and listen if this is a big struggle for, your, for you. But at the very least, you know, for our purpose this morning, the Bible claims to be trustworthy. And so at the very least, we've got to wrestle with that. Open here. But what does all that do for me, right? I mean, it's great, fine, dandy, you know, hear about the source and, and the, you know, the character of Scripture, but we want, we want results, don't we? Where's the payoff when it comes to this book? I love how David describes it. Look what he says, the power. He revives the soul, makes wise the simple, rejoices the heart or gives joy. It enlightens the eyes. It endures forever. It's altogether righteous. Open here for revival. Open here for life. Real life. Not just life, but life. Open here for wisdom. I mean, how often do we beg for wisdom, right? We do that all the time. God, just, just help me know how to, how to parent. Help me know how to love my, my spouse or how to be a good friend or, or do my job. God, would you just give me wisdom? And he says, open here. For wisdom. Open here for wisdom. Open here for, for joy, for satisfaction. And it, it rejoices the heart. Some of you know this about me that I, I tend to have, um, I'll just call it a, a melancholy personality. Um, the personality test says depressive, but that's just, it's just depressing to say that, right? I'm not depressed. I just have kind of a, a melancholy personality, all right? You know, don't judge me. It's, part, it's part, of my, part of my wiring. And so because of that, right, and some of you probably have a very similar personality, there are times when I'm, just, I'm desperate for a little glimmer of joy, right? But this book, it rejoices the heart, he says. And I had an experience with this just this past week. Um, the week before had been kind of a, 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 just a, a tough week for a variety of reasons. And, and you know when you've had kind of a hard week, the next week when you started, it's sort of like, oh, you're just a little bit anxious and not sure what to expect. And so I was kind of, you know, starting my week off in, in that way. Um, and I showed up here uh, like I do every morning, um, early. I mean, it's 5.45, pitch black. You know, the building's icy cold at that point. And all I do is make a beeline for the coffee pot. I mean, that's... That's it. Um, 
That's the first thing I do in the morning. So whatever you think about that spiritually, well, it's, that's fine too. Um, but a, as I was waiting for the coffee to, to brew, I began to just sort of think about my day. And I, I realized that I had, had three hours before my first meeting to be able to read and meditate and study and pray about Psalm 19 in preparation for today. And I began, it's a psalm that I've, I've memorized a long time ago, and I began to think, think about these words here. And as I did, I mean, inexplicably, right? 5.45 in a cold, dark building before I'd even had a cup of coffee. This just a strange joy started coming over. In, in ways that is completely inexplicable and unexpected for me. And again, knowing my personality, that's, that's not a, a huge common experience. But you, but you know that feeling, right? When the, the serotonin, for some reason, just starts to flood into your bloodstream. And it feels so good. But it shouldn't, it shouldn't have surprised me, honestly. That's, that's what this book does. Open here for joy. Open here for light he says, our light to see through the darkness of our world, open here for endurance and strength, that this book endures forever, and those who build their lives upon it endure forever. Open here for righteousness, for goodness. Open here. I mean, if you just stop and think about it, and took those categories, right, on the far right side, I mean, there is nothing we wouldn't do Nothing we wouldn't give to have more of those, would we? I mean, think about it, right? Wisdom, joy, light, life, endurance, goodness. I mean, how much effort do we expend in pursuit of these things in a million different ways? I mean, there's nothing we wouldn't do, nothing except maybe daily going to the place that promises it. We go everywhere. We look everywhere but in this book. Open here. And if this is all true, the source, character, the power of Scripture, then the psalmist leads us to the delight of Scripture. In verse 10, I love this picture that he he paints for us with his words. He says, More to be desired are they, are these words, than gold. Even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. I mean, King David, right, wrote this psalm. His treasury full of gold, his table full of all the delights of food, and yet he says, This book is better. It's better. And we, all, we all know about the pursuit of gold, right? It's not a hard one to, to sell for us, right? We know about running towards money and, and wealth and all. We, we give so much of our lives to that. I, I'm currently rereading one of my, my favorite novels, uh, The Count of Monte Cristo. Um, it's, a, it's an easy read at a mere... 1,500 pages, uh, but, I, but I love it, right? It's the second time, second time through it again, and if you know the story, it's about this, you know, really likable young guy, Edmund Dantes, who at the beginning is just like this good character, and everything is going well for him, but his people, a few people who are closest to him, they betray him, and he ends up wrongfully in prison for 14 years until he finally escapes. But, but while he's in prison, 
uh, he meets another prisoner who knows about buried treasure. This is why it's such a fun story, right? Uh, he knows where this, where this treasure is. And then when, when Dantes finally escapes, right, all of his passion and energy and life and focus, everything is about finding that treasure so that he can make his world right again. So he can, he can bring to rights all the bad that has happened in his life and in his world. And who can blame him, right? I mean, every one of us would do the same. And yet this book is better. Or what about food, right? We love food. Who doesn't love food? And, and we all know the, the addictive nature of dessert, sweets, and how, how we long and crave for that. My kids are always asking for something sweet. Honey back then was the, the sweetest, sort of the, the most delightful of desserts in the, in the ancient Near East. And so honey back then was sort of like the, the chocolate bag at McCormick and Schmick's today. Right? It's, just the, it's as good as it gets. I mean, you cannot have better dessert than that. But this book is sweeter, tastier, more satisfying. It warns us, he says, and it shows us the way of reward. And if we were to keep reading, we could look into, into verse 13. It says that it brings us to wholeness, to, to blamelessness. Again, it's that Hebrew word, tome. It's the life we long for. It's the life you long for, whether, whether you know it or not. Wholeness. Open here. Open here. The one thing that will change us, that we truly have control over, and so what are we going to do with this book? What are we going to do with it? I mean, it's, it's all right here. And just, just imagine Edmond Dantes, right? Back in my novel, knowing about the treasure and yet unwilling to pursue it. So what are we going to do about it? Well, we're going to open it together. And, and if you've been at Christ Community any length of time, I hope, I hope that one thing that you know about this church is that we love this book. We love this book. It's one of our five values, right? We went over those this fall. Um, cross, yoke, Bible, church, city. It's one of the very core aspects of, of who we are. And we have always, it's always been our goal to build our lives and our church on this book. Nothing's changed there. And yet... We've never done anything quite like this. To set an entire year aside, not only, again, to go through this entire book on Sundays, but to go through it together, personally, individually, reading this book. So yeah, we're going to preach through the entire story. Uh, we've selected what we think are, are the 52 sort of most essential texts as we think about faith in this book that sort of carry the, the story along. Uh, a series of sermons that tells the whole story that the best that we can, starting in Genesis and ending in Revelation. But Sunday is not the goal. The goal is what we would do with this book every other day of the week. And so we're going to challenge you. We're going to challenge ourselves. This is, this is where it starts to get to the fine print, okay? Everybody's like, what's really the goal here? It's, it's really simple, all right? Stop worrying. Our goal is to read one chapter a day. All of us, young and old, whether you, whether you believe it or not, but if, if you are here on Sundays, our goal is to read one chapter every single day 
for 365 days. It's really not that hard. So what are we going to do about this book? We're going to open it. But I know, what, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are like, yeah, of course, I'm going to do that. That's not that hard. It's, it's either what you're doing now or not that much more than what you're doing now. And so you're, you're, you're thinking yes. Others of you, this, this is a scary book if you've not really opened it before. Uh, because it is hard to sort of understand what's going on. It was written so long ago, and to be able to, to understand it and to be able to read it well can be, can be intimidating for many of us. And so maybe, maybe some of you are asking, well, how hard is this going to be really? I mean, is it going to be really difficult? Maybe, maybe you're thinking you don't really want to do it. And frankly, there are a lot of reasons that we could choose why not to read this book every day. I thought of 10 of them. Uh, 10 objections. Because I... I don't want you to have any excuse left, all right? So we're going to walk through these 10, but not, not really because we, we think that you're going to fight against this or anything like that, but more of to help us explain what exactly it is we're going to be doing uh, in 2013. Objection number one. You ready? Okay. Objection number one. I'm not even sure I believe this stuff. Which, actually, that's a pretty good objection, right? Uh, maybe you're, you're here with a spouse or a friend or a parent, and, you know, you're, you're here on Sundays, but you're just not really sure that you, you, in fact, you know that you don't buy it, okay? But you're here anyway. Well, why should, why should you read it? Uh, well, for one, just for understanding. You'll understand that person you love enough to attend church with a little bit better if this is something that they've built their lives upon. But also even just better understanding of our culture. Uh, many of us forget that Western culture finds its roots in so much of this book. Um, even, even now today, we still see glimmers of it in art and literature and media and film and so many of the things. So just basically for understanding, but, but also even more so, um, if, if you don't believe, why should you read this book? Because it'll help you make a better decision, a more informed decision as to whether or not you want to believe. Rejecting Christianity without reading this book is sort of like rejecting green eggs and ham without trying them, right? Try them, try them, and you may, I say. Isn't that what Sam I Am says? Before you reject Christ, you need to at least read some of his book. But I've got to warn you, this describes you, countless people who have picked up this book have never put it down. And the God who speaks just might speak to you. You gotta be ready for that, okay? Just want just a little warning. Okay, objection number two. This is a fun one. Uh, but I stink at New Year's resolutions. How many does that describe? Huh? Yeah, that's that's like probably most of us. You either don't make them or you're just terrible at them. And so maybe you're thinking, I've I've tried this kind of thing before. I always fail, and then I just feel lousy afterwards, feel guilty. Um, well, listen, this isn't just another New Year's resolution. That's not what we're doing. These are very reasonable goals that we are going to have lots of tools and resources and reminders to assist you along the way. Not to mention a little healthy collective peer pressure, right? Accountability um, to keep us reading, keep us going. Um, and, so, and then as for guilt, I mean, it's this book that we find a God who has taken our guilt. Uh, and so we don't, we don't need to go there, even if you're lousy at New Year's resolutions. Objection number three, uh, but I'd rather you just feed me. Now, none of us would probably actually say that, but that is exactly how so many Christians live, placing all of their spiritual nourishment, expectations, and desires and needs on on your church. I mean, it's like eating once a week. You come to Sunday, church, hopefully that's a a feast together as we gather together. It it ought to be as we we dive into this word, but if that is your one meal a week, you're, you're slowly starving to death. You need to feed yourself. 
And just think about the unrealistic expectations, honestly, you're putting on your church. And frankly, I mean, just look at me, right? Do, do you really want to, to depend on me for all of your spiritual needs? No, okay? That's a bad idea. It's a really bad, I love teaching this book. I love it. I'm so glad that God called me to do this. But if I'm it, you're in trouble. You need to feed yourself, every one of us. You cannot go an entire week between meals. You are responsible for your spiritual growth, not me, not Christ's community. You are. And the best way to do that, and we'll look at this towards the end, is this book, is to read it, to meditate it, to learn it, to, to live it out. Our job as a church is to help you. It's to give you the tools that you need, the encouragement along the way. But if you're not feeding yourself, you will starve to death. Objection number four. Uh, but I don't have time. Are we ready in the booth here? All right. Just wait for it. Wait for it. All right. But I don't have time. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pour out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their measuring line goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom, leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Stop! Minute 21. Once a day. Somebody look me in the eyes and tell me you don't have time. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, I didn't think so. We all have time. We all have time. Number five. But I don't know where to start. I never know where to start when I read the Bible. Well, done. We figured that out for you. It's one of the tools we're giving you. Uh, if you want to come with us on this, we have two different reading plans that you can choose from that will help you so that every single day when you open your Bible, you'll know exactly where you're supposed to start so that we're all together on the same page. There's two reading plans. One of those reading plans will go through the entire Bible. Uh, and so if you're already reading your Bible on a regular basis and you want to, to step it up a little bit more, we want to help you do that. Absolutely. That's about four chapters a day, is, and we're calling that the whole Bible plan. That's our creative name for it. And you'll be reading the whole Bible. Um, for the rest of us, probably most of us, right, um, the, we're going to be reading one chapter a day, and we're calling that the whole story plan. So it's 365 chapters. It'll skip around, but it will go over what we think tells the entire story from Genesis to Revelation. The places that are, are most... Um, not important, I mean, all scripture is important, but important for telling the story, if that makes sense. The, the crucial parts that help the narrative go forward, that give us the themes uh, that we need in order to understand. 
So that's about one-third of your Bible, if you, if you do the whole story plan. Those are the parts that we're going to be reading together. Now, this plan will be available in a full printed version. We'll also print it every week in the welcome folder. Um, if you uh, want as well, if you're more electronic, um, you can sign up for a daily blog, RSS feed, text message reminder, automatic calendar update. If you prefer, we will send you an email every single day with today's reading. Okay? No excuses, right? It couldn't be, it couldn't be any easier. Um, okay, number six, but I'm not a very good reader. I'm not a very good reader. Well, every place we have it electronically will come with a link for audio, okay? Just free, just click, listen, and you can listen. It's fine. Objection number seven. But I don't understand what I read. I don't understand what I read. We're putting all of our energy in helping you understand. In fact, we have a place on our website, uh, www.ccefc.org slash open here, that will be dedicated to help you. Blog posts, places to ask questions, uh, conversation starters for our community groups. If you're in a community group or would like to be in one, we're encouraging you. We'd love for you to think about um, fitting this in, whether it's just helping to keep each other accountable or reading through those questions, studying these things, where we're all together uh, indwelling and, and letting this book indwell deeply within us. Uh, if you're a book person, and would like uh, some you know, new resource, a new study Bible for Christmas. And we have a table in the lobby that you can kind of thumb through some of those resources, the ones that we think are the best for this kind of project. Um, you can feel free to look through those. You can grab a piece of paper that has them on them. They're not for sale out there. It's just too complicated. Um, but you, we'll give you all the information you need to be able to purchase those. Also, um, one of my favorite resources that we are doing, we are committed to do a video every single week a three-minute video um, that will just say, hey, these are the seven chapters you're reading this week. Uh, watch for this. Here's, here's a high point. Here's a hard part. Um, here's what's really fun. Uh, happy reading. Just to give you in three minutes a quick overview, a little kind of mini commentary via video to help us in this. And the sermons themselves, really, we're seeing just as another resource. Um, they're not the end, they're a means to the end. And so every sermon that we preach in 2013 will be on something you just read or something you will soon read. Um, and so we're all sort of engaging more deeply together. We're doing everything we can to help you understand this book. Um, you can do this, I promise. Objection number eight, we're almost done. Objection number eight, my kids aren't ready for this. Well, maybe they're not. But when will they be? And when better to do this than when we're trying to figure it out together, honestly? When there's all kinds of helps and resources and other people, other parents like Kelly and me who are going to be struggling along trying to do this. Um, that's one of the commitments we've made together that we're going to do this as a family. Uh, a minute and 22 seconds, you know, after dinner or before bed or, or whenever. Uh, and there's also resources for, for kids and students at the table as well. We'll also have a, a weekly um, reading guide for families just to ask questions of your kids and help guide that conversation every week. Objection number nine. This is probably my favorite and maybe the most potent. I don't want to because you want me to. <laughs> Some of you, that's exact. Oh, I'm going to do my own thing. You know, I don't care. It's like, I'm going to read it backwards, you know, just because you want, you want to do something different. I get, that's my personality. You tell me to do something, I want to do the opposite. That's who I am. Uh, I'm just going to say, love and grace, get over it. <laughs> just, just get over it. Um, come with, all right? This is, this is going to be fun and exciting. And, and maybe if you are doing something else and you can't stop, well, just add, it's one chapter a day. Just, just add it so we're, we're together in this process, um, learning, growing, all of us. I mean, just imagine, right? All of us. 
sitting together, reading the exact same things, discussing them in our various places, coming here and hearing messages about them. I mean, just imagine what this, is, what this could do for us, for our church, for your family, individually. The, the level of transformation, it's too exciting. And as I said, there's, there is some measure of peer pressure that's really good here. So get over that one. Uh, and then lastly, uh, number 10, but I don't get anything out of it. Um, that's a hard one for many of us. You read it once, nothing happens, and so you give up so quickly. We want instant results. That's kind of the culture we live in. We've been so trained to do that. Uh, and the reality is the impact Scripture has in our lives takes time. It takes a lot of time. Uh, and so we need to be patient with it. Psalm 19 promises that something will happen in us, right? Promises to us that these things are true. Uh, and even if we struggle to believe what Psalm 19 says, any study of spiritual formation will tell you that this book has got to be central. If you're a Christian, to, to change, to really grow. Um, one of those recent studies, 2008, was Reveal. Uh, it was a study of 80,000 churchgoers. Christ Community was a part of that, so if you're here back then, uh, you took a survey and participated in this. Uh, but they analyzed what helps people grow the most. And the number one personal spiritual practice that helped people move from sort of just searching out who Jesus is, so not a believer yet, to growing in Christ, to actually truly Christ-centered, the number one practice, spiritual practice, is Scripture. And then they, they broadened it and looked, you know, what are, of all the things that we can do to help ourselves grow, what's most influential? So going to church, being in a small group, serving, tithing, whatever. They looked at 50 different categories. And the only one that was in the top five at all three stages of spiritual development, Scripture. And if we believe what Psalm 19 says, that shouldn't surprise us. This book changes us. The habit of daily positioning yourself before God and asking God, speak to me. And then listening to what he has to say to you and being shaped by it. This is, this is what we need. This is what I need. And we're going to do it together. And if you don't want to change, that's another objection altogether. Because nothing in the world changes us like this book. Any other excuses? Anybody? 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 I didn't think so. <laughs> so will you commit to do this with us? Will you, will you join with us? Will you, will you grow with us? Yeah, it's, it's still six weeks away. Some of you are ready now. You'd sign up today if, we, if we'd let you. Um, others of you need more time. Think about it. Take that time, okay? Pray about this. Seek out what your commitment, your involvement's gonna be. Look at our resources, our reading plans, things for, for families, small groups. Explore whether or not this is something you, you feel that God is, is leading you to. Um, and talk to somebody about it. Who are you gonna do this with? A, a friend or a spouse or a family or a small group? Who are you gonna do this with? And, and maybe even think about inviting somebody who is just sort of curious about Jesus to come and check him out. I mean, what an opportunity to explore what Christianity really is. Okay, so this is the last thing I'll say. Thanks for being so patient. Um, we're not doing this so that we can feel good about ourselves. We're not, we're not doing this so that we can avoid guilt or so that we can somehow earn our approval with God or that we can even just get to know more facts about God. We're doing this because in these pages, we discover the most remarkable person who ever lived, the God who, who made us, who loves us, the, the son who, who came and redeemed us, who died for us and rose again for us, the spirit who, who lives within us and empowers us. This, this is where we meet him. 
This is where we get to know him in this book. Here is where we find life and wisdom and joy and light. Open here. Open here. He's waiting to speak to each one of us. So who's in? Let's pray together. Gracious Father, God, we love your word. God, I am so humbled that you, in ways we don't even fully understand, would lower yourself to the point of a book, human language, that you would love us so much that you would find a way to speak to us to show us your love, to show us how we were created to live, to show us how we can be redeemed. God, forgive us for the ways that we take that for granted. I know so often I do. God, I pray that we would treasure this book. And I pray that we would open it together. God, I pray that we would meet Jesus. Maybe in, in ways that we never have before. Seeing him on every page from Genesis to Revelation that this book is about a God who redeems us. Unify us, prepare us, and give us great joy as we seek you. The only reason we do this is for Jesus. And so Jesus, we thank you. We praise you. And we love you. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.